This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. All right, what are we doing this? Uh, any guests today, Christian? Oh, just one, Mr. Dana uh, Carvey. Well, then it's a cast of thousands, isn't it? <laughs> Carvey will bring all his rowdy friends. <laughs> <laughs> and they um, are rowdy. Carver, is he just coming on to be convivial? Or yeah, got it's just a, Did you happen to see him as uh, Tony Montana on uh, Spade Show? I, I saw that the way probably a few people did as a clip just from the show. And yes, it was very oh, funny. I hadn't seen him do Tony Montana God. in forever, so it was great. I have some theories I want to ask Carvey about. As, uh, uh, there's... I swear there's some crossing of the lines on the flowchart with Carvey where he realizes it's almost like the fuel module. He sets it up with a super solid, comprehensive impression where you think, wow, what an amazing year. And then he begins to bonsai it like Miyagi, he trims it back, trims it back till it becomes strictly phonics almost by the end of it. And uh, he, re- he picks up the pace. Well, I have to ask him about this. I, I sit there and theorize about comics as I watch them. I like to glean the schematic and figure out how they're doing it. And I swear, as Carvey winnows down the amount of information he's giving you and goes strictly on sound at some point, he quickens the pace of it, and it's an intoxicating brew. Maybe he'll shoot my theory down, but we'll talk. So when's he calling in? <laughs> I think he's calling in right now. Whoa. Good Lord. <laughs> hey. Well, um... you, you, like, listen, listen. You told me it was going to get easier. I know. Every time I talk to you. I remember that. 1988, <laughs> March, looking out, Rockefeller Center. Carving. You know what? I just found out. Hot off the press. Life gets easier, okay? I'm like, damn, really? So this... As you get older, it gets simpler, and you're just at peace. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, Carvey, every time we talk to each other, that's how somebody who makes the call will start. I thought you, you said. You it. said. It would get easy. <laughs> you said you told you promised me. Here's my question for you, just because I we were talking about Christian earlier. Have you ever gotten? No, a, I'm not a I'm not a Russian spy. I'm just sitting in for Larry. Have you ever gotten a Christmas gift gift basket that you went? Holy shit! I love this. You know, with <laughs> the saran paper and the caramel corn chocolate, some rosé. You know, yeah, all the I, I have gotten a nice basket. one. You have? I've gotten infinitely more bad ones, but uh, I, I, somewhere along the line, I think Andre Agassi sent me something because I had done a benefit, and he sent me a beautiful Christmas thing. What was in it? A included... tennis racket? <laughs> no, no. Uh, he had shrunk down Gorn Ivanisevich into a sort of <laughs> sea monkey height, and I added water. and Sea monkey. Of... <laughs> <laughs> that really was one of the weirdest things as a kid, right? These inert little... Life. Paper a little, and you put light, and then they come to life. Was yes, that the life. They the had fuck? placed life, and they had placed life in the hands of kid comic readers who essentially had no life. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't even the vital kids. It was all us losers sitting in there, seeing if they had the penny that was worth two million dollars, and oh, uh, yeah. putting on the X-ray specs uh, off the back cover. 
And then all of a sudden, there was an ad for something called Sea Monkeys, where you you had you possess life. It was Doctor Frankenstein for like young oh, yeah. nerds. Remember the rattlesnake um, eggs? Rattlesnake eggs. That was your child. You open it up. That... <laughs> you open it up, and then and then there's some kind of foil, and they're and it goes ah, and scares you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going back, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rock, rock em, sock em, robots. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Men in their sixties for twenty, Bob. <laughs> you know what? It has so what's up? Either. Are you doing one of these now, Carb? Didn't you do six podcasts? And where can the people find them if they want to? Uh, I don't know. Well, I did. Oh, well, I did. Conan. Now, you told me you friend. and Conan did some podcasts, yeah. and I will bet you they're yeah, hysterical. Well, I was a How guest, do we find a special guest on his show? Conan needs a friend. Special guest Dana Carvey, and they're, for some reason they're called Deep Dive. They're like 25 mm-hmm. minutes. I'm just riffing. I do what I do here. Having yeah. fun, goofing around. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I saw you turn up as Tony Montana. Tony Montana, on Montana stage man. show. Oh, Carvey, you want to play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a, an interesting lesson to me on your particular form of genius in that the more you winnowed that down, when you when you put the it on the timeline chart, when winnowed it down to basic sounds versus how many times you had done it, the laughs got exponentially bigger. You know, it worked at the beginning just as a concept, but mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking, well, Carby's got that beautiful awareness of how many times you should do it when it starts to break down the outer defenses of somebody's sense of humor, and then <laughs> as as that happens, you flood them over then with abbreviating the sound. So at the end, mm-hmm. I just remember watching four young people on this panel who needed help. They had to hold their tongues down with popsicle oh, sticks. They were laughing so hard. And at that point, you were just going... Oh, there was no... Yeah, it was all... You want to play? You want to play? I just like being challenging sweet David Spade. You want to play with me? That's what you want to do, huh? Let's go play. I like to play. You want to play? I'll get a sweet potato with a marshmallow on the top, okay? Okay? You're right. It's just a... It's, I even call it a monkey trick. I don't even know. It's, it's not even human, though. It's not human. Just but I, really I never human. say about, I never call it your monkey. I only refer to monkey trick in the same way that they use rice bowl and the sand pebbles about my own act. It's my monkey trick. I told you what Norm said to me. Uh, right. This is so, Norm, Norm put me in my place so funnily. And Norm is a genius. We're sitting in the green room with his mom. And uh, I had done so, you know, once I get around one of your yeah. nuts, I really try to go on a, well, as you just mm-hmm. used the term deep dive, I like ratchet mm-hmm. down a reference volume just to try to make yeah, yeah. Uh, pros laugh. So I really went deep, deep on Norm with something. He said, uh, Christ, he said, you realize the only guy who's ever done that in comedy. And, you know, and I'm, I'm gleaming a little because Norm's, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the guys I respect. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really, that's an amazing, uh, that's an amazing thing you do. Nobody else has ever done that or done it as well as you. And I go, uh, well, thank you, Norm. That's so sweet of you. And then he takes a pause. He goes, uh, what I'm saying is you're pretty good with similes. <laughs> <laughs> just, when, just when I admit that I had been touched by God or something, Norm saw I me know. being a little happy about my monkey trick. And he goes, yeah, yeah, well, I guess what I'm saying is you're pretty good with similes. <laughs> He was, I was doing, I mean, he saw me one, uh, my stand-up was not good. And I did, uh, I was toward the end with a guitar and I just had nothing. So this old joke, you know, uh, Bob Dylan is, <laughs> and Norm's in the audience. Bob Dylan is a stand-up comedian. Did you hear about the man who had five penises? 
his pants they fit him like a glove. <laughs> so, the norm eviscerated for him. No, no, no. Of course, he did his norm. He comes back backstage really, really nice. His son was there. He goes, yeah, yeah, I do more of that. You know that Bob Dylan joke? That's so you got to go do more of those. That, that was hilarious, you know. So, <laughs> so I just do him to him, you know, and he just laughed. But yeah, he always will find the one thing and kind of, um, yeah. Well, well on the uh, on the on the Spade show, I was on with uh, Norm and Sammy Nealon, and uh, Nealon has perfected this. Uh, he used to do Mister Subliminal when we were young. And now he's doing some sort of Mr. Pre-Alzheimer, where he does every few moments, he'll say something like, and you are? or uh, Right. Okay, uh, when do we start? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Were you on Saturday Night Live? (laughs) Yeah. You're on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Yeah, it's like this new kind of maybe Biden-y sort of character. No? When do we start? Well, that's good. You know, I've got That's what he okay. does now, and it still kills yeah. me with it. I know it's coming because it's his move now, and yet he absolutely uh, lays me out with it. God, Sammy Nealon's a funny character. It was a very funny segment with the, the three, uh, you like the three Sopranos or something? <laughs> I mean, like yeah, God bless Spade. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt, killed, but... Let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all, is it? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use amongst drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is, driving while high is deadly, so stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. You know, they have those uh, Star Trek Helms chairs. You're mm-hmm. on the bridge. Worst chair ever, by the way. Yellow. and uh, <laughs> You flip and you're able to... I feel like I'm in Elvis's <laughs> Naugahyde TV room at Graceland or something. <laughs> you're able to just spin and watch Spade. Spade's like four inches away from us. Uh, all of us have made a living doing comedy, you know, including Dave. He's a great yeah. comedian. I'm just saying, I thought, boy, if I was him, uh, you get the feeling he's not going to deviate from this, the dictums of that show. Because I remember thinking, why don't we just come out and talk for half an hour? But, you know, he had topics. Mm-hmm. OJ's in the news. <laughs> um, uh-huh. What's up in the news, Carp? I'm trying to think when you go out now and uh, uh, do a gig... It, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You have so much stuff. You just you avoid politics, right? Or are you doing? Are you doing nibbling uh, on the fringes of the cookie like Bernie? Yeah. Would you go after Bernie? Are there too many kids in the room who think Bernie's Jesus Christ? It's just such a weird All, thing right now. Yeah, in, in corporate dates, yeah, it's pretty sensitive. But like, he'll make fun of both sides. <laughs> it's kind of like a, some KTEL presents. He goes after both sides of the aisle. But um, <laughs> there are certain things I've found because I have a lot of friends on the far left. And I'll, I'll run it by them. So I had Bernie, you know, because I had my show stents back in the 80s. And Bernie had two stents put in. And I just had this idea. He's at the podium. Larry David's playing him. 
And then these doctors come out and whisper in his ear, and he finds out at that moment that the stents are made by corporations, and he has a meltdown. The corporations <laughs> made these stunts. Get them out of me. Get them out of me. He's just grabbing at his chest. Get the greedy stunts out of my chest. The pharmaceuticals. The corporations. Get them out. <laughs> I have to take what? it far. That's what I do now. Bernie, what about these stunts that AOC made at the Learning Annex in a night course for free for the disenfranchised? Would you like one of the AOC stunts? She's a lovely lady. <laughs> <laughs> AOC, man, that's, that's, a, that's a Veep candidate. No, she's too young. I know. I was just what? saying that AOC, I, I think there's a good chance... Uh, and I know this sounds silly, but uh, it, uh, I'm just convinced now that there are half the country that literally sees things just completely different way than I do. I mm-hmm. think during the, you have to be 35. I think she'll be 35 the next time through. And I, I, even if Trump wins, I have a feeling Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will be the front runner on the Democratic side for the uh, presidency somewhere in our lifetime. And that boggles my oh. mind because she looks so fucking stupid to me. <laughs> it's the way of the world, man. Imagine a freshman congresswoman, you know, in 1972 with Twitter and all that. Yeah, she's a human. Uh, I don't know. A, a god. Well, she's she's attractive. She's confident. She's aggressive on Twitter. I don't know. I don't think we're going to see your hat put in the ring anytime soon. But I would I would uh, you'd, get, you'd make some waves. Dennis <laughs> well, Miller, president. I think we're going to announce right here, Dana. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, that'll be your campaign slogan. It'll be, uh, truth of the matter is, life gets easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bail out of it all because I find it maddening. Now, I never asked you about your politics. I don't know. You're probably, I know you lived up in Marin for years, but I, I don't know. When you say you have friends on the far left, I have a few <laughs> very good friends I can... Uh, this never enters it because we have such a deeper relationship. But honest to God, I could even feel from people I'm friendly with that they're in shock that you're <laughs> that that I uh, don't uh, aren't in lockstep, and that weirds me out. And I don't get that from the right, even when I uh, voice certain things that I don't agree with with the conservative side. I.e., I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pro-choice just because it's none of my business. Gay marriage. I'm happy when people get married if they're in yeah. The I don't have people on the right who actually literally look like they hate me over that. They they can't understand it, but they they go, what are you going to do? But on the left, boy, any deviation from lockstep, I sense that people I've been friends with over the course of my life get disappointed in me. It's really weird. Well, you know, I just, when I'm with someone, like I call myself a liberal from the 90s. I don't know what that is now. But, you know, I just try to outlast someone on the left. That's the most fun for me, you know. Um, like I remember it, it started and, and when this guy said to me that George W. Bush, he goes, you know, he's not going to lead. He's going to create something, declare martial law and, and, you know, he's just going to, going to stay, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and I go, well, yeah, of course, you know, of course he's going to stay and Cheney will be there with him and they have a, you know, I just go with it, you know, right? because you can't, you can't have another opinion. You know, but, and they know you're jerking them off eventually. They they get um, it that you're, uh, or some of them do. I, I've done things where 
I've done the same thing and say, yeah, I think Barack Obama, not only the smartest president, but probably the smartest private citizen I've ever seen. And honest to God, I hit my knees frequently. And thank God I was just alive during his era. And I look, I, you know, I just look at him and hold it and don't flare my irises or anything. I tell you, car within two to three seconds, they'll look at you and go, what are you fucking with me? You know, they, they, oh, they, they get it. Right. They're winding them up. But, well, uh, yeah, the, yeah, you know, I like the, you know, I like the virtue signal. I mean, that's always fun. The guy <laughs> says, I don't know. I don't know if I like Buttigieg's policies. Ah, 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 homophobic. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Barack Obama did some detention centers toward the border. Ah, 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 R-A-C-I-S-T. <laughs> so when you call someone a name, then you're just obviously congratulating yourself that you're not that name. So I, I right. keep... I'm, I'm like a gunfighter. I've got six guns, racist, sexist, homophobic, boom, 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 boom. And then occasionally for my followers, I do, uh, I do sad signal. Have you heard of that? No. Sad signal is when you're an Instagram star and you're on the yacht and you're dancing, your life's epic. Then, then every once in a while you get your followers, you do sad signaling. So it's a picture of you kind of in pajamas or sweats in your ear, your, your arms over your eyes. You go, not feeling it today, gang. You know, anxiety's stoking up pretty good. You know? <laughs> and they, yeah, this is real. They did the analytics and the followers quadruple. So you got to do, I have the greatest life ever. And it's sad signal occasionally, even if you feel great. And that really stokes up. So I'm not really feeling it today, gang, you know. It just life gets really hard sometimes. I can't, you know. That's my favorite. And then a 19-year-old model with a perfect body and a string bikini uh, going, I've just finally learned to love my body. We all just have to love our bodies. <laughs> I like those. I go, what? You're human perfection. I don't understand. <laughs> no, but occasionally you got to pretend you're Lizzo and uh, be body proud and do that uh, thing. Lizzo? Uh, yeah, there's some model now who's, oh, uh, oh, yeah. let's say, Zaptic. And every time mm. I see her, she's bent over and showing uh, her ass. And uh, I guess if you say anything, like you just said, what, what do you get dropped on you? The avoir de poist or the racist? I don't even know what you get. But it's just to me, when they used to have thin, when Stella Tennant or somebody was on the cover of a magazine and she was read thin and people would say, this isn't healthy, you know, regardless of what you think about her looks, they'd say this isn't a healthy mm -hmm. thing to send. I, I can't believe that you can't even flip that now and just say, oh, you don't want to end up like Lizzo. That's got to be three and change, right? That's a big cow. <laughs> that'll, that'll catch up to you. <laughs> three and change. I don't know. I would just say that men are more visual. Most people would agree with that. Women don't go online most of the time and just look at picture after picture of men's legs for like hours, you know? <laughs> so we're visual. So the Instagram stars, there's a young lady who also has a very uh, uh, large bottom and she'll do these, you know, she does a deep squat, looks over the shoulder. And I think she did a paywall and she gets, she got, she gets uh, a million a month for I, just these pictures. Tammy, there's more Tammy. It's not pornographic at all. It's just, she's cute. She squats in her underwear, looks over her shoulder, gives a thumbs, thumbs up, and it's just like, you know, 90 million views. She makes views. a million a month. million a month, a paywall. Yeah. It's like a dollar a month to have all Tammy all the time, and she got a million dudes globally. And so it's a million a month, and uh, she works from 9.30 a.m. to around 10.45. <laughs> I don't know why I know this. And she does... <laughs> 
different, you know, she has suspenders. She's got the, you know, kind of hee-haw look. <laughs> she dresses as a boy, a Girl Scout sometimes, but it's all deep squat over the shoulder, thumbs up. And um, she's buying property in Barcelona. She's uh, put a bid in on a G5. Um, you mean deep squat from Watergate? <laughs> I'm doing deep squat. You, you said it would get easier. I mean, if I, if I could do a deep squat, I mean, I actually have a great app, which is really because of all the Kirby, I think you invented the deep squat. As, don't I remember the George Michael was the invention? Oh, that. oh, God. Oh, man. I know. What was I it? You didn't say it. ass, though. You just said butt. Wash up my, uh, my butt. butt. I know. I felt bad. Well, because he was always in his video showing his ass, and so I just it made the character that his ass had superpowers. Right. My, butt, my butt could control the world. You know, my, If you put a flower near my butt, it blooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that bring in the house, Doc Carvey. Can you rem- I remember, sh- I think you did it at the update desk once. I just remember seeing uh, Right and- next. To, yeah, I have the skin tight jeans on and I'm just wagging my ass around. Look at my butt. Look at it, Dennis. You know, it's just it's visual Gosh, and ridiculous. That, that um, did crush, I gotta admit. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of SNL, I'm trying to uh I remember Arnold was such an outlaw back then, and I saw Arnold the other day meeting with the Thunberg girl. And I just remember thinking something broke in Arnold. I, I don't quite know what it was, but uh, somewhere along the way, he's become the most acquiescent, almost sort of liberal lapdog. I was wondering, does it hurt you to see old Hans and Franz's I know. inspiration yeah. turn into a lackey? I just, I think for the best of us, I guess it's just a normal human endorphin rush of just all that affirmation, you know? Yeah, the climate, you know, it's an existential threat to mankind, you know, and he checks the views and there's, a, there's only 7 million likes, so I'm going to say it again tomorrow, I get more likes on my feed. <laughs> but, you know, I always liked him because he never was negative. I remember when he did one of his movies, Last Action Hero or something, <laughs> the 90s, total bomb. I mean, his movies were crushing. This one, a total right. bomb. And they kept going to him. Well, it really did bomb. I mean, isn't it? Nah, you know, a lot of people enjoyed the movie and everybody's happy. But it hardly made it. No one really saw it. Yeah, people enjoyed it all over the world. And, you know, we make the movies and everybody good. Yeah, but literally, it opened on Friday. It closed Saturday afternoon. They canceled the matinee. Yeah, they canceled You know, make way for the other people, the young people coming with their movies. And everybody's happy for the evening. Well, then he you, was you bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> I remember so that movie. Car. Oh yeah, uh, listen, I like Arnold. I just I'm trying to figure. Maybe it's for his young son, and I I love the way he is with the you know he had the son out of wedlock or whatever. But the this the boy's like uh, blossoming now, and I always see Arnold with mm-hmm. him working on. I can see him putting that positivism in him, and maybe he's just trying to be. What is of the times for the kid, you know, or something like that? Because you just, you remember Arnold. God, he was the king of the carbon footprint. Nobody, Arnold, you know, he would take a Humvee down the hall to whiz in the middle of the night. So, you know, to watch him now. (laughs) Well, he has an electric Humvee now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Seven tons powered by solar power to save the planet. Twenty nine tons of raw machinery powered by the sun only. I drive down the street. Now let me check my views. Twenty nine million likes. But you know, I mean, I felt bad about that. But it it is kind of sweet how he is. Uh, 
you know, put that, that out of wedlock son into yeah, his it's life. Cause, yeah, because it's that's very just a sweet. bad call. It wasn't a, a two-year plan. I really want to have a baby with you. Hold on, Maria's coming. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know. I I, I kind of think it's uh, I, well. I, what am I? I said I'm patronizing. It's sweet. It's my his, him and his son. But the kid looks happy. Suicide. I'm happy for the kid. My podcast can be called Career Suicide. <laughs> if you just stop editing yourself, just hang around with friends. You know, I know I'm a good person, basically. So if I say something offensive, <laughs> it's just an accident. But yeah, Arnold. Yeah, I made one baby with the housekeeper. Everybody goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got plugs Biden out there, Carve. It is honest to God. A, he looks he looks addled to me. Yeah, my wife would not believe me when I said he's calling his tour the No Malarkey Tour. She said, Oh, come on, you're just making that up to because uh, you, <laughs> you think he's old. And I said, No, no, I'm not. So he's he really someone, has lost it, right? Someone said to me he looks like a guy who had a facelift and a bypass at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> The fact of the matter is, come on, let's get real, folks. The fact yeah. is, number one, number two. The fact that three is not number two, number one, Barack. Barack is two, is three is one. One is a bad, 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 Barack. Barack, bad, 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 bad. We did one. Unlike, let's get real. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't really do them because I think yeah. they are. I just cringe. I, I, I look. If I don't even know if I'm going to be alive at seventy six, but if you're dead, you'll be wittier than him. At that point, I mean, Jesus, that is, he's been hit in the head with a fucking wrecking ball in a, a Warner Brothers cartoon. He's nuts. But you cannot, on a national stage, running for the highest office in the land, try to remember a word, close your eyes, and think inside your brain. That can't happen. <laughs> Wear sunglasses or a visor. But I can't see the eyes closing and the little thing going on the The fact of the matter is, the fact of number one, number one is not number two. Number three is not number three. Number two is number one, Brock. I think uh, I was watching a commercial this week for the Masked Singer, and I have a feeling that the Masked Singer, the one that's in the Condor <laughs> outfit, is uh, Corn corn Pop, that tent that Biden had a throwdown with in the public pool. So there's my theory. I just want to get out there first with it. The Masked Singer in the Condor outfit, Corn Pop, the swimming pool pimp from Biden's last hallucination. Looks like Obama doesn't want anything to do with it. Obama and his wife just out there printing my, I think he'll probably end up a billionaire, right? Oh, yeah. He gets, and I'm all for it. Because I'm, I'm, that's the conservative assignment. Go for it. But he will be a billionaire within ten years. He gets four hundred a pop. She gets two twenty five mm-hmm. for for speaking. They're doing three a week each. So it's like two, three million. Michelle, what did you do this week? Three. Okay, well, I did four. That's two million. Let's go next week. <laughs> I got seven books. Yeah, Baron, I'll be with you there. I'm going over to London. They're getting me six. <laughs> what are you getting? Two fifty. Let's let's get a raise for you. I think you're a four hundred thousand dollar speech. I'm going to go for seven fifty. So let's try to get four to five million booked every week. Then we'll keep going going from there. Now we got the Netflix deal. That was uh, seventy five million. That's good. Ever produce uh, anything, Michelle? Nope, me neither. But we got it. Spotify wants us to create a podcast. Have you ever done a podcast? Anything? Well, we got seventy-five billion there. How'd you both do? Sixty. All right, I'm writing another one. I'm getting one hundred and twenty. <laughs> we'll get three fifty there and five there. We'll get six hundred there, seven there. We'll top. We're over six hundred million by September next year. All right. Well, let's keep going. Let's do this. We can do this. Then he, can, uh, then he turns on the TV. The billionaires. <laughs> 
and the millionaires and the corporations <laughs> and the pharmaceutical companies, the millionaires. <laughs> so I don't know how he doesn't feel out of step. Yeah, a little, a, a little uh, disingenuous, a little hypocritical. A quality wristwatch is one of those small things that every guy needs. When you've got on a nice watch, it changes the way you carry yourself and therefore the way people look at you. You need to check out Vincero watches. Vincero watches creates exceptionally crafted watches and they do it without breaking the bank. You're not going to find a better made watch for this good of a price anywhere, anywhere else. Whether you are a watch connoisseur or looking for your first timepiece, a Vincero watch is going to exceed your expectations and make you feel like the leader of the pack. Vroom. Vincero is offering 15% off your entire order with code when you use code Miller. Just head to VinceroWatches.com slash Miller and use code Miller for 15% off. This is our first time working with Vincero. The guys were nice enough to send Christian and I watches, threw in a gift for my wife as well. They're the real deal. Amazing. Vincero is the best value in the industry. Honestly speaking, if I didn't know how much it costs, I would have guessed $500 to $700, but these guys sell them for just a fraction of that. Bold luxury watches are the perfect conversation starter. Why? Because they immediately establish the person who's wearing them, that's you, as the most ambitious, pioneering, interesting person in the room. With collections ranging from dress watches to sport watches, Vincero has a style for every look, occasion, and price point. Even if you claim to not be a watch guy, Vincero has a style that will change your mind. Plus, all straps are interchangeable, giving you more versatility and freedom to create a style that perfectly fits you. Vincero has over 18,000 five-star reviews. You know you're going to get a great product and a great customer service package too. And the best part is they offer free worldwide shipping. Now, exclusively for listeners of this podcast, Vincero is giving you 15% off your purchase. The bottom line is a great watch that tells the world what you're all about. So go to VinceroWatches.com forward slash Miller and use code Miller to save an extra 15%. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O Watches.com slash Miller, code Miller, 15% off. You know, there's so many news stories you can watch. I got to completely devoid myself of this. And what I'm doing lately is flipping it over to Netflix and watching The Crown. Are you a Crown fan? Oh, fanatical. I think it's brilliant. And uh, just we watch it really quickly. We just go right through it. I love the current season. I love the guy who plays. I'm sorry to say I don't know his name. Plays Prince Prince Philip. Philip. Yeah. And we were talking about this just personally folks without without people listening uh how much we love the show and uh i thought about that after we talked and i just thought the episode where he meets the apollo 11 astronauts his acting in that was amazing because he he you know you're just in such a gilded cage as a royal and you're really kind of neutered he was like wanting to go fight war and it's like now today we're going to light the jubilee candle you know i mean it's like and then he's just in love with the idea of the moon launch and then they come and meet him on the episode he's interviewing (laughs) them he's like now i what a, what, a, what a jolly good thing he's done. His adventures must have been amazing out there, flying low over the moon with meteorites and craters everywhere. Well, actually, we didn't, you know, we had plenty of fuel. We just skipped over the craters set her down. <laughs> yes, but then you must have looked out the window to see if there were aliens or some sort of untold poison outside. No, we uh, checked our systems, had lunch, and took a nap. Oh, yes, but then you got down the ladder, put your foot on that lunar surface, not knowing what you'd find. We figured be some powder. We uh, collected some rocks. I put up the weird flag, and we kind of lit the candle, got back with Gordo. Yes, but 
but coming Gordo. into the atmosphere. Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon. Well, Gordon. Michael Gordon. <laughs> Michael Collins. Gordo oh, Collins. Michael yeah. Collins. That's a friend of mine, Michael Gordon, who was a writer for Conan. I can't even drop <laughs> I'm terrible. Yeah, there, was a, there was a Gordo in the right stuff. Uh, it was Dennis Qu- oh, uh, Dennis Quaid as Gordo Cooper riding the rocket oh, at the end. Man, I mm. thought it was Michael Gordon. Michael, God. <laughs> There's no problem. Why would here. I try to drop a reference with you with your photographic no, no. brain? Listen, Michael <laughs> Collins uh, should have been played in a one man show by John Cazeal. The great John Cazeal as Fredo or uh, <laughs> Sal in Dog Day Afternoon. I always thought he looked like Michael oh, Collins. He would have been perfect oh, up there. He is awesome. Um, TV almost, honest to God, is like better than movies now. There's been a couple movies of late, though. I love the uh, Hollywood uh, Quentin Tarantino thing. I, I don't love everything he does, but that one was uh, oddly enough. I know there are parts of it that are so bizarre you shake your head, but it was fun for me. The Irishman yeah. just couldn't get. What, what's your take on those two? Um, well, first of all, just uh, yeah, Tarantino's movie is uh, supernatural. You know, I, I think it's uh, uh, a masterpiece. Oh, you <laughs> love it. I loved it. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, uh, because it, it really, uh, it operates emotionally, you know, uh, and I think the two, those two characters were so um, great together, you know. Did I say something funny, stuntman? You know the Bruce Lee scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you kind of did. Well, it's so funny. Look, man, I don't want any trouble. I'm just here to do a job. But you're laughing at what I'm saying. And I'm not saying anything funny. So what do you think is so funny? Well, what I think is you're a little man with a big bounce and a big chip. And I think you'd be embarrassed to suggest you'd be anything more than a stain on the seat of Cassius Clay's trunks. Brother, you're the one with the big mouth. I would really enjoy closing it, especially in front of all my friends. But my hands are registered as lethal weapons. That means we get into a fight, I accidentally kill you, I go to jail. Hey, anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. I think all that lethal weapon horse shit is just an excuse so you dancers never have to get in a real fight. Okay. How about a friendly contest? No punching the face. Two out of three. Who puts who on the ground first? Nobody tries to hurt nobody. Just who ends up on that pot. That's a great idea, Q. <laughs> Were you howling, Carby? Were you absolutely howling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what happened with me is when I like a movie, like Out of Africa, right. I need to see it oh, many, many times. So I saw it. And I thought, well, if some... and then the second time I saw it, I started noticing all this stuff. I'm like, whoa. Then my brother Scott visited. He saw, I took him to the Arclight to see it in Hollywood. He loved it three days later. Can we see that again? So that's four. Then I went up north. We had relatives that never seen it for Thanksgiving. So that was five. And then my wife had seen it twice and wanted to see it a third. So I'm up to six. So I'm kind of really sort of memorizing. No, I love you know? doing that with a movie when I love it. Uh, honest to mm-hmm. God, I remember when Jesus Christ Superstar first came out. I don't know what, where I was in my life at that point, but I was down low. And I, I honest to God, I think I went out and saw it a dozen to 15 times in the first two months. Just something about it picked me up, and I wasn't in a good frame of mind at that point. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, Irishman, I don't have any 
uh, you know, thing against Oh, that's that what I, depressed I, me. I had seen The Irishman, and that's why I had to go out and see <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. By the way, De Niro did not get nominated for it, so I wasn't the only one who thought, God, do I know this trick at all? Because uh, he didn't get nominated for a Golden Globe. And for Robert De Niro not to get nominated for a Golden Globe, I mean, for God's sakes, uh, you know, anybody who's anybody, just so they can have a big party that night, gets nominated. That'll show you how desultory that performance was. Yeah, I, I just... Um you know, of course, Corsese and some of his movies, Goodfellas in particular, I revisit and love. Um, but once they're like, you know, the voiceover again and the turkeys, we, you know, we get the turkeys and then we put them over here. See, the game was the way we got the money. I was just, oh, I just uh, felt really <laughs> turfed. And, uh, and I saw. And then you torched the place. <laughs> Yeah, and then we torched the place, uh, uh, and that's how it all worked. Now, I'm still doing Brad Pitt, but and then Pesci comes in. They made him into look some kind of troll. I mean, I don't know what they did with his nose, <laughs> his head through the window, and I'm seeing the green screen line, or I'm, I'm looking at CGI. De Niro's got a 45 year old head, but he's he's got an 80 year old body, and he's walking and kicking and punching and tw- they did the best they could, but. If you're observing and watching movies, you're like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not him, that's a CGI face. <laughs> right. And once, you, once you don't make that leap, then the movie, you can't. So I made it 45 minutes, but like I said, if, if Martin Scorsese heard this, I'd feel bad, because <laughs> you know, I love um, you know. But I did the I did the gentleman's quarterly awards one night, and there was a knock on my door beforehand. I was putting my monologue together. The last touch as I opened the door, it's Joe Pesci standing there. I've never met him. He goes, uh, mm-hmm. just just like uh, Tommy in Goodfellow, you, you're going to write me some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you're kidding. Yeah. I said, come on in. I've never met him. I was so excited. He said, uh, yeah, you're going to write me some jokes now. And I said. Call me Spider, and I'll write you jokes. He's hey Spider, you're gonna write me some jokes. All of a sudden, I dashed off a couple <laughs> of Pesci jokes just to hear him call me Spider. Uh, um, he, I went golfing with Pesci, Jimmy Woods once in Las Vegas. Wow! And Pesci's aide de camp was the guy who uh, gambled the Four Seasons into Chapter Eleven. It was the oddest foursome, uh, you know, because <laughs> wow. then. And Pesci is completely like he is in the movie with this guy, you know, just sort of uh, uh, brassy and funny. And uh, God, I just remember being out on the course. It was like a thousand degrees thinking, Man, I, this must be a fever dream or something. And I'm out here with Jimmy Woods and uh, Joe Pesci and the lead singer, the secondary singer from the Four Seasons after Frankie Valley. And it's wow. a thousand degrees. And I'm finishing last by 30 strokes, by the way. So that was the weirdest <laughs> part of it. Um, really? They actually, I mean, John yeah. Pesci, the one thing I had with him when he was hosting SNL, and I don't really do an impression, but I remember he was talking about the neighborhood and, and, and violence and stuff like that. And he goes, uh, and I ask you, so when are you going to fight? When are you going to fight? I say, sugar bowl across the nose. That was the line. <laughs> so it was so specific. You know that at one point he took a sugar bowl at a diner and slammed it on the bridge of a guy's nose. So it was an awesome story. Sugar bowl across the nose. <laughs> I love that. Now, listen, uh, we, we did TCM recently, and uh, God, Carl, it was it. so much fun to talk films with you. And I don't think I've ever asked you uh what what is your favorite movie or the movie that spoke to you the most the most profound movie what what uh, what's your pick of all time well i'd have two but i always have to go back to 2001 using the word profundity because is there a better plot than how we kind of got here and 
how we evolved and what 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 happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the most profound. I think the other one is it's a wonderful life because uh, I figured out later that the character is suicidal through metaphysical means. Uh, he changes his attitude. Uncle Billy still lost the money. Uh, everything is still completely screwed. Yeah, he just yet, tweaked he's his perspective. Poor. Yeah, yeah. And so I think those 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 two. One about just how do we get here, and the other one was that. Are those your picks too? Yeah, well, listen, uh, by the way, have you read the 2001 book about Kubrick? It, it uh, just yeah. came out. And, I have uh, it. I'm looking at it right now. It's something that I flip through and I go back and forth on it. But it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I'd have to say another film I throw in there, and for some reason it just rang uh, true to me, was Local Hero, which is an odd film. about mm. uh, Lancaster. Yeah, but it has that profundity in it and that he is looking for the fast lane in life. And uh, I don't know, that, that film just resonated. I, I Maybe profound is the wrong word, but uh, certainly it tweaked something in my head where I thought uh, the, the the sweet hamlet on the coast of Scotland is all inside your head. You just have to choose, like you said, different perspective. You have to choose to notice it or not. Yeah, so, P.D. Uh, like... Regert on that film. Yeah. I'm and, trying uh... to see it. <laughs> I would say, here's another question for you. What is the, what is the idea of a film that gets you uh, teared up? Like, a, you know, emotionally. And for me, I'll just give you the lead. And for me, it's like uh, Catherine Hepburn and Golden Pond. Henry Fonda is just dying. He's crazy. And she just won't ever let the flag touch the ground. We're going to go, go, go. Yeah, I don't want to go anywhere. I just tried, tried to get some raspberries and... I couldn't think I'd get back to see your sweet face. We're going to get up and go, go. I feel like I'm doing Martin Short whenever I do Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> Hi, Marty. Go, go, so that, go. Yeah. So that hits your sad button. I'd have to say for me, my idea of poignant is uh, Clint Eastwood not having access to a third machine gun in where Eagles Dare. <laughs> <laughs> One that he could have shot. <laughs> how is he... Uh, just 90 and I guess directed another film, got all these nominations. I mean, uh, should we just not be throwing in the towel and thinking that we're freshmen in show business at this age? I mean, 90, am I well, just starting? I'd love that Clint uh, is doing an ad for that on TV where he just stands there with no makeup, hair looking really crazy. It's like he, he now looks like somebody who you would call Dirty Harry to check out for you if he was a neighbor. <laughs> Keep an eye on this guy. And, uh, it looks like Andy Robinson under Keysar getting beaten up by Jimmy McEachin. <laughs> I, I think I got that reference right. Is that James that McEachin? That was great. Beat him up? I, I was uh, on remember... a tennis court with Gary Sinise doing a benefit for the troops at this yeah. millionaire's house. And so Eastwood is sitting 10 feet away from me. It's raking bright light at 4 in the afternoon, and James Conn is next to him. And I got to go up, and I'm just <laughs> bombing. It's horrible. Raking light in a tennis court, people milling around in the back. Tim Allen was there, raking light. And afterwards, he goes, I like your Arnold's impression. That's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, horrible. Horrible. Oh, the stuff we go Nothing through. Nothing worse than going up in flames in front of a hero. I had it happen to me with Paul Newman, man, where I just remember, I, I, I told you that story, Carver, about doing the Friars Roast in the afternoon back in New York, and Milton's uh, there, and I get up and I go, you know, it's nice, uh, nice to see Milton Burrow. Milton's cock is so big, I have to believe he stole that too. Not that, <laughs> like, 
I don't get I don't get a laugh. Like there's two thousand old people in fezzes looking up and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Paul Newman's there. I look down at Paul Newman, he looks up at me and like gives me that look like ouch, you know, he looks away. <laughs> and to this day I'm haunted by him looking up at me like that. And the only thing that uh, saved me the only thing that uh, basted me a little afterwards was Sammy Khan comes up to me, uh the great Sammy Khan. Come fly with me. And I, I guess he goes, Dennis, Sammy Kahn. I go, Jesus, Sammy, nice to meet Jesus. Can I tell you something? Fuck Milton. <laughs> yeah. Was, you know how you get into those showbiz things where you're oh, yeah. old cats and you just think, what the fuck? What am I? You're the, you're the bus boy from, from Bozeman. I'm the, the deli clerk from Pittsburgh. All of a sudden, Sammy Kahn's in your face. It's so crazy. <laughs> I know the things have come. Cool Hand Luke was another one that I like to revisit oh, once in a while. You know, yeah. just the Jesus. idea of never giving up and, you know, you're going to go do it, Luke. You're going to win, Luke. And that whole thing, the sidekick, just rooting him on, worshiping him, and then seeing him. That moment where Paul Newman's character kind of lets down and it just is killing George Kennedy. You know, no, Luke, you're going to try. And it's right. over. You know, it's just like, ah. We like movies, folks. What can we tell you? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch well, The Irishman again. I feel bad. <laughs> well, if you're only 45 minutes in, I would take uh, well the next 10 minutes. You're safe, but after that, it really. Uh, I'm going to watch it on my iPhone interstitially throughout the day. <laughs> like you know, waiting for my car. I'll hit five dribs and drafts. Exactly. <laughs> That's the way. Just howling off, and then you know, and then hit it another two, three minutes before you kind of you know get dressed. Think of it as a progressive dinner. Then we'll go down to Bobby Slayton's house and have some trifle for dessert. <laughs> the turkeys would come out. Then we'd like to play fire. Fuck you. <laughs> then we'd <laughs> place for the insurance. All right, my brother. I love you. It's good to talk to you. And, love you too, man. Uh, I'll chat sure. you in the next few days. All right. The great Darby Kuvler. I refer to him. <laughs> I'll leave him messages. This is Darby Kuvler, because he's a little Munchkin, he's a little leprechaun, and uh, I'm telling you, Carvey, you're so used to him just coming out and DEA ramming it down the door, you know, I mean, just kills it. When you go deep with Carvey, and it's so funny that he and Conan did the thing called deep dive, because yeah. if you sit down with Carvey, and he's not going to do it in show business, because he, he, he's one of those purists who just goes, they, these people don't want to hear what I feel about things. They want me to kill. I, I've had that talk with him. He's a stone fucking CIA dropping behind enemy lines. The war's over. Killer. And uh, it, so you're not going to get a lot of deep, touchy-feely stuff off him, but in your personal life, when you talk with them, the guy's a freaking genius. I can't tell you how emotionally astute it is. What's that old theory of there's IQ and then there's EQ? Mm -hmm. He's got a big brain, but his emotional uh, wisdom is unbelievable. We'll talk about people who we don't understand from afar, and he'll lay a theory on me about him, and I always think, God, how prescient. So truly a genius, and uh, I love him like a brother. And... Uh, 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 as I said, uh, Carver, uh, find him over Conan's uh, show, Conan's podcast. I'm allowed to sell other people's podcasts on my podcast, or is that bad? For no, me? I mean that's how that's how people sell their podcasts. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I I read today. I was reading an article about somebody stood up at the Torquemada thing, the the uh, uh, impeachment, and he was from Alex Jones's. Website. He's from Infowars. Uh, okay. Infowars. Yeah. And said Jerry Nadler's a 
treason. And Jerry said, no, no, I like seizing. But uh, the, the guy was let out. And uh, I saw that uh, Alex Jones, I was reading a comment about that. And they said, Alex Jones is a bit of a the person was theorizing. They thought it was a bit put on. Uh, his madness, uh, because they had heard him on the Joe Rogan show, and they said he was crazy, but he wasn't as crazy as they make him out to be. And I thought, good for Joe Rogan. I, I don't even know if you, how you would navigate that thing. How are you supposed to treat the guy? I think that's one that I'll probably go back and listen to, Rogan's interview with him. Because I remember, didn't Megyn Kelly get in huge uh, trouble for not walking some line with him or yes. where she appeared to be too convivial with him. That's exactly and what I remember happened, it yeah. caused her a bunch of headaches. So I'd, I'd be intrigued to hear her. The more I hear about Rogan, I think, wow, that's, uh, I, I, I only knew him as the host of the Barry people and worm show for a while. And then, Oh, fear uh, factor. I've, yeah. Yeah. And I've grown fond of him as the, you know, I'm a UFC guy. And I think he's the best. I really think for a guy, uh, doing his sport and you know people say it's a football but no no i'm talking about his sport which is a sport and a great sport i think he's the best uh, color man in the world I, he really does an excellent job on ufc and his post-fight interviews christ it makes you wonder about all these people on the sidelines of football games who can't put anything lucid together because he really kills that job afterwards when they're standing there usually with a four inch cut above their right eyebrow he handles a nice interview there. So I'll have to go back and see how he handled the Alex Jones thing because uh, I can't, you know, he seems like a, a, a brutish guy in a way. I don't mean brooding. I just mean, you know, big and hulking. But uh, he must have had some sort of delicacy there to navigate his way through an Alex Jones interview that I haven't even heard bad stuff about. You know, like I said, it seems like if you give him access to your gig, they're going to jump in. Uh, and beat on you just for doing that, for humanizing him, as they say. But have you heard the interview, Christian, perchance? I have not. I have heard Alex Jones' interview, but not that long. And it, it was years ago where he just seemed like, you know, a little bit more of an outlier and not quite the, you know, the lizard people. You know, that the conspiracy theory didn't seem to be as big of a thing. But uh, he can well, sound Well, I'm going to have to give that a listen, and I think I will do it uh, later this afternoon, as I think— uh, have we hit the ball here, Christian? Have we, are we wrapped? Oh, you and Carvey saw all the seams. Everything was out of the park. Well, right whatever now. this is, Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, <laughs> Fourth of July. I don't know when this runs, and, but have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.